Hello and welcome to the Greenhouse Church Podcast. My name is Benj Gould and I'm the lead pastor. We are all about creating an environment where anyone can follow the way of Jesus. So we hope that this teaching helps you on your way. We've been exploring the role of the Holy Spirit in the church and in the Christian walk. And uh, we've looked at a whole bunch of things over the last um, six weeks or so. Uh, We talked about how we were always meant to be spirit people. We trace the whole story of the Bible, that we were always meant to be dust and divine connected to God through his spirit. We see that um, Jesus is our model for being full of the Holy Spirit. He was fully human and yet fully God. And he wasn't fully God just because he... Philippians tells us that he gave up his divine privilege. The things he did, the Jesus-y stuff that he did, was because of his um, being filled with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. He's our model of what it is to live the Christian life. And we want to be a Jesus-y church. We want to do all of the Jesus stuff. We want the, the dinner tables and hanging out with people. We want to build community. We want the discipleship. We want the, the, the prayer practices and the silence and solitude and Sabbath and all that good stuff. But we want all of the stuff. We want the healing and the miracles and the salvation and the casting out of demons as well. We want to be a whole Jesus church. So this is really what this series has been about, recapturing what it means to be a, a, a whole Jesus church. Then we uh, looked at the devil and the demonic. Our friend Charlie came and spoke about that. Um, And his main point, which I I think was so good, was that the devil is the father of lies. The main way that we see the devil or the enemy at work in our life is through lies. Then we had John O'Ives come. He talked about being naturally supernatural and how the supernatural and the natural are intricately linked. You can't separate them. Um, And then Alyssa spoke on spiritual fruit. And then I spoke on spiritual gifts. And the main takeaway from that is that we are to treat spiritual gifts as packages. We're posties delivering a package from God rather than X-Men with like special powers where we can just dispense at will. It's all about God at work. And then I spoke about the theology of tongues. But I want to talk about prophecy this morning, the theology of the prophetic. And I think The prophetic in our life and in our world is one of the most powerful expressions that the church has because it's all about the voice of God. And the voice of God is powerful. It's prophetic words that have dramatically changed my life. It's prophetic words spoken over our church community that have dramatically changed the direction of what we do here. Um, And at the same time, there is a whole bunch of trauma, difficulty with the use of the prophetic. Um, you know, like the prophecies coming out that Trump's going to win the election or that, you know, Oprah is the Antichrist. It's usually from America, those, those sort of things. Um, but it has definitely been misused in the church and used in, and abused in that sense. But prophecy really comes down to asking the question of how do we hear the voice of God today? How do we hear the voice of God? And how do we discern what is God and not? How does God communicate with us. So this morning, I'm going to take us through a biblical survey. We're going to read a whole bunch of scripture this morning, but that's okay because we like the Bible. And we're going to trace this theme of the prophetic through scripture. Is that cool? I've got it on the screens for you. So Genesis 1. Oh, this has got the logo behind everything. Um, 
No, you're right, mate. You're good. Here we go. Here we go. Yes. How good is Dion? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. This is the very beginning of the Bible, the first three verses. And what we see is God's spirit and God's speech. And we see through the rest of Genesis chapter 1 that it is God's voice, God's speech, God's words that are a creative act, a creative force in the world. When God speaks, stuff happens. And then we have a bunch of examples through um, Genesis and Exodus and the rest of the Torah of, uh, and in the prophets of God speaking directly to specific people. God speaks to Noah about creating an ark. God speaks to Abraham about, go to the place I'll show you. God speaks to Moses through a burning bush around letting my people go. Um, and then there's like all these prophets. There's Elijah and Elisha and Amos and you know, a whole bunch of Jeremiah, a whole bunch of prophets where God speaks directly to them. There's this great story um, where Moses, who was a great prophet, uh, there's this thing that happens where um, God says, I'm going to take some of the spirit that's on you and put it on the 70 elders, like the leadership team of this new forming country that's happening. Um, and the spirit goes on them and they all begin prophesying. They begin speaking what God is saying to them. And someone comes up to Moses and is like, aren't you, aren't you jealous like that all these other people are speaking what God's speaking, like you're not the prophet anymore? And Moses says, no, like I wish everyone could prophesy. We have this little inkling here that maybe it's better that not just one person hears the voice of God, but that we all hear the voice of God. So prophecy is, at its simplest form, what we see through the beginning of Scripture is speaking what God is speaking, saying what God is saying. Ezekiel 37, uh, verse Four to ten. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I'll attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied. I spoke out what God was saying as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breathe from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. There's this picture of the prophetic at work. God speaks, and Ezekiel speaks. And it's this picture of, like Genesis 1, the word of God is a creative force. When God speaks, stuff happens. Saying what God is saying. And so as far as we know through Scripture and through these key figures is that they are hearing an audible voice of God. Now, there's some like contention around that, but I think that's what the biblical story is trying to get at. It's trying to say that people are hearing from an external voice. They are hearing God, these key figures. 
Then we have these two prophecies, Jeremiah 31 and 33, uh, 31 verse 33. Um, and this is God speaking. He says, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. There's this prophetic word around the shift from an external voice to an internal voice where God would speak directly to our hearts and our minds. We wouldn't hear necessarily the audible voice of God, but we would hear God through our hearts, our minds, and our spirits. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. So that's all in the Old Testament. And then we get to the New Testament, Acts chapter 2. Pentecost happens. The Spirit comes on all the believers, 120 that were meeting there. And it says, Paul gets up and um, Peter gets up and he, he preaches and he says, today these scriptures have been fulfilled. I will pour my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. It won't be just some key people through history, but through the Spirit, we all get to speak what God is speaking, say what God is saying. And so we have this shift from the Old Testament to the New Testament when Pentecost happens, a shift from a few key figures to the many, and a shift from the external voice of God to the internal voice of God. Does that kind of make sense so far with me? few more scriptures. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1 to 4, we read out this passage, and we went through this passage almost verse by verse the other week when we were talking about tongues. Um, and this is, happens off the back of 1 Corinthians 12, which is about those nine manifestations of the Spirit, speaking in tongues, faith, prophetic, all those things that the Spirit does, the stuff the Spirit does, was the translation we were using for the spiritual gifts. When, when the Spirit comes up, this is what He does. And then there's the love chapter that we normally read out in, at weddings, which is beautiful, but it's in the context of the gathering and the use of the spiritual gifts. And then we have 1 Corinthians 14, which is about two specific gifts, prophecy and tongues, and how that interacts with the gathering of the church. So this is what Paul says. He's writing to a church plant in Corinth. He says, let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. Um, so what we see is that Paul wants us to desire the gift of prophecy. He wants us to do it in love. It's coming straight after the love chapter. And he says that prophecy should strengthen, encourage, and comfort others. Even if it's a challenging thing, it should strengthen, encourage, and comfort. And prophecy is about building. It's about building the church, the community of believers. Later in that chapter, in verse 29, it says, let two or three people prophesy and let the others evaluate what is said. So he's talking about in the church gathering, he says, there should be, when you gather as a church, two or three people should be prophesying. Now, this is like the opposite of what he says about tongues, where he says, no more than two or three. But for prophecy, he says, two or three should prophesy. Um, so the expectation for Paul here is that at least two or three people would, would prophesy every time we gather, and that Prophetic words must be evaluated and tested. One more verse. Are we good? Are we alive? 
It's good. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 to 21. This is Paul writing to another church plant. He says, Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said and hold on to what is good. Don't stifle the Spirit amongst you. And he says, don't go into extremes. Don't scoff at prophecies. Don't think, oh, that's just a load of, you know, whack jobs. But he says, test everything as well. Don't just take everything as it's as it said. We are to test everything. So that is like a, a quick overview all through the Bible from the Old Testament right up to the letters of Paul. What do we gather from that? We gather a couple of things. Number one is prophecy is saying what God is saying. We believe that God speaks. Not just in theory, but in practice. And I think one of, if not the primary way that God speaks in our life and our world today is through one another. That we are the body of Christ. That God speaks to me through you. And, I, and God speaks to you through me. That's like the, the mysterious action of the community of Christ at work because we have this spirit dwelling within us. Um, prophecy is hearing what God speaks and speaking what you hear. And so the prophetic sense might be a Bible verse that just keeps coming to mind for someone. It might be a word. could be a phrase that comes to mind. could be an image or a, like a, a gut instinct. could be a dream. Dan was talking about how God spoke to him in a dream. Um, just the other week, Mel had a dream. We've been looking for a house, and um, there's a house that we've been looking at that um, you know, we'd love to buy. And Mel had a dream, and she woke up, and she told me, I had a dream that the, market, that, that the house got taken off the market, but then we wrote the guy a letter, and he sold the house to us. And I was um, like, yeah, cool, whatever, that's awesome. Um, and then that night, I was scrolling on realestate.com and noticed that the house was off the market. So I emailed the real estate agent, and he said, yeah, the, um, the owner decided for whatever reason, for some personal reason, to take it off the market. Um, but let me know like, if you want to make an offer. And um, I just think that's, that's so interesting. We'll see where that goes. But um, it could come in a dream, could come in a feeling. Like I've had this, I had this other week actually where I've, I had a pain in my, in my neck and I realized that it wasn't actually like, there was nothing wrong with me, but it was actually me wanting to pray for someone. And I had a prophetic word about someone who had a pain in the right side of the neck and we pray for them on a Sunday gathering. Um, and then sometimes God speaks through nature um, or what you see. We're um, praying for, for Vince's house. Vince just moved in up the road and uh, we're having a bit of a house blessing. And um, I had a, a, a word around his house being an outpost of Jubilee because I was walking up and down his, his house and then there's Jubilee Oval like right there and he's just like kind of like that. And there's like this, this uh, thing that God's, I felt like God speak to me through like just the natural surroundings. But prophecy is saying what God is saying. Number two, prophecy is powerful. Abraham Joshua Heschel, who is a, um, a Jewish scholar, he said, words create worlds. Words create worlds. Um, a word that is from God will carry weight. God's voice is creative. It will create things like we see in Genesis chapter 1. It will resurrect things like we see in that Ezekiel passage of the dry, dry bones. It will build people up like we see in 1 Corinthians 14. God's word is powerful. 
Number three, from the few to the many, from the few spiritual elites where, God's, where they're hearing God's word to the many who have the Holy Spirit. It is the communal aspect of hearing the prophetic word of God. God can speak through all of us. This is a very Baptist thing, that it's not just the pastor that can hear the voice of God. It is all of us. We have this um, distinctive that we, we call um, the priesthood of all believers, that we all have a role in being a priest, a mediator between God and others, that we are a body. We are doing this thing communally. Um, we are not a democracy, but we are a theocracy. We are discerning the will of God. We are listening to what God is saying. And when God speaks, he generally speaks to more than one person. And that's a very important thing to know, that like we shouldn't ever just take one person's prophecy or the pastor's prophecy as gospel. We need to test it and realize that um, God speaks through his community. This is like power diffusion at its best, that God speaks through all of us. All power should never reside with one person. Number four, are you still here? Yep, good. Prophecy should strengthen, encourage, and comfort. This is what uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14. Prophecy should always strengthen, encourage, and comfort. And so when you hear a prophetic word, when you give something, even if it's a challenging thing, even if it's going to change your plans, even if it's challenging some of your assumptions, you should come away feeling strengthened, encouraged, and comforted. I heard someone say the other day that encouragement is like um, prophesying what you can see. Like when you encourage someone, it's like a form of, of the prophetic. Um, and so um, like me saying to Jared, uh, this is what I do know about you, is that you're heading into a new season. But the prophetic sense of that is that God is calling you into a new season and that he's with you right? There's not like a prophetic sense of like I got an image or something. I'm just prophesying what I do see and do know from Jared and Amy, right? And this is a great way to build that prophetic muscle is just to encourage someone, to call something out in someone, to instill courage within them. Um, So prophecy should strengthen, encourage, and comfort. Um, And it's important, I've seen this done badly, that sometimes people use the guise of the prophetic or the guise of like God told me as a way to just challenge something they don't like about someone. Um, you know, like if I just said to um, Mel, look, I really got the sense that God was speaking to me about um, from Proverbs 31. <laughs> and uh, there's a verse in Proverbs 31 that says, she gets up before the dawn to make breakfast, <laughs> you know. And I don't know what that means for you, you know. Maybe you just take away, pray about it. Um, we can use this in a really abusive way, right? When we say God said or I feel like God say. Um, and so we need to be humble about that. But prophecy should sound like Jesus. Prophecy should sound like Jesus. It should strengthen, encourage, and comfort. And prophecy should sound like the opposite of the enemy's voice who comes to kill and destroy. So after a prophetic word, you should feel built up. And it's all important to note as well that the prophetic is less about the future and we have this sense, like all through the, the um, Old Testament, there's like prophetic words about what's going to happen. But it's less about predicting the future and more about preparation. And so when God speaks a prophetic word into your life, it's more about actually what do I need to do? What do I need to change and shift now to prepare me for what God's going to do? Number five, prophecy should be normal and prioritized in the church. 
for Paul, we see that he says, every time you gather, two or three people should prophesy. Um, and I think, you know, what are we doing when we gather if we're not saying what God's saying, if we're not speaking what God is speaking? I heard a friend of mine say this um, the other day. He says, teaching is saying what Scripture says. Prophecy is saying what Scripture says now. Teaching is saying what Scripture says. Prophecy is teaching what Scripture is saying. Like, what's the now word? What's God saying today, this morning? We don't need more teachers. We need more prophets. Ordinary people, everyday Christians who are listening for the voice of God, they're listening to what God's saying, and they're saying what God's saying. And so there's, there's two ways I'd love for this to look within our church community. I'd love for it to be a normal practice from the microphone or the prayer team to give out some prophetic words um, when, when it's there and when God's working. But even more, I'd love to just walk past and just hear conversations of people saying, hey, I sense that God was saying this to you, like just conversation. And at Analog Retreat last week, there was probably three or four times I walked past people and they were saying, I just sense like this scripture was for you or I sense this word was for you. I reckon that is one of the most powerful ways that God works and speaks. Hey, I was just, I was praying for you, Diego, and I just sense this word. Uh, you go away and pray about it. But prophecy should be normal within the gathered church because it's the way that God speaks directly to us. Is that good? And number six, the last one, um, prophecy should be tested. Prophecy should be tested. We have to test it against Scripture, against the story of God. Like, is it Scripture? Is it aligned with what God says in His Word? We have to test it against the community of God. Prophecy is always a communal thing. You need to talk about it and test it with other people. You know, I received this prophetic word. What do you guys think? What do you think, Jamie, about that? You know, like, can you help pray into that with me? Um, we need to test it against what God's already been saying, and often prophetic words or images that people give you are a confirmation of what God's already been speaking to you about. Um, we need to realize, we need to ask the question, is this strengthening, encouraging, and comforting me? And if it's not, it's probably not a prophetic word. I've had this word um, for a couple in our church that has just kept coming to my mind over the last probably month or six weeks. Um, and I've been wrestling with it because it's a, it's a phrase from a scripture story in Mark. Um, but I know, these, I, I know what's facing these people right now, and I'm nervous about giving them that word because I know that the weight it holds for their particular situation, and I'm really wary of like giving false hope. And so I've been testing that. I've been praying about that. I've been seeing it in other um, scripture passages. I've been talking to Mel about it and saying, you know, what do you think about this? Should I, what should I do about that? Um, and I think it's just awesome and really important to just continue to um, hold these things quite loosely, but reverently as well. And just to make sure that, you know, because our words do have power. Words create worlds. And so I think we should have courage and be bold when we go and give someone a word or if we feel like God's speaking to us about something. Um, but it's also important to test it and make sure that we're doing the right thing. But it's lined up with all those things. That word that, that I feel like is for that couple, like it's lined up. It's scriptural. I feel like it does strengthen, encourage, and comfort. And so I'm going to go and give it to them in a really reverent way. Um, but it's important to realize that not every prophetic word, not every sense will be from God. 
It might be the enemy at work or it might be the, you know, the food you ate last night or the, or the bad sleep you had or whatever it is. Um, but the, the prophetic disconnected from community and the testing is very, very dangerous. We need a community of discernment. Um, even the most prophetically attuned people among us are not like vending machines that just give out a prophecy at any, at any time. And I think this is where like the church has got dangerous because we've labeled some people as prophets because they are, like they do have like a prophetic sense to their life, but then we just take everything they say as a word from God without testing it. And so it's just important that we hold that all really loosely and with a sense of awe. We're posties, not X-Men. We're given the package that God wants to deliver, but it's, it's what God's doing. Cool. A few quick things around practicing the prophetic. Because the prophetic is a practice. We believe that those nine things that we find in 1 Corinthians 12, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that they're open to every believer. The prophetic isn't just for some super Christians or the spiritual elite. No, the prophetic is for everyone. We can all speak what God is speaking. So um, prophetic is a practice. We are practice. You know that, that term that like you're a practicing Christian? So I love that term because we're all practicing. We're all learning. Disciple means student or learner. We're all in this process of like working out, discerning what's God and what's not. And so when we're listening for the voice of God, it's really important that we practice and we step out uh, in humility and we test these things because we have to learn to discern what's my voice, what's like just something that I just made up, what's the enemy saying, and what's God saying, right? And that just takes practice. And it takes testing. Like, and, and you won't be able to test it until you speak it out and it actually gets tested in community and against Scripture and against what God's already saying to that person. So be courageous. Be humble. Mistakes are okay, particularly if you come at it with this humble attitude that I sense God saying this. Go away. Pray about it. Um, I think it's really important to never say that God said, like God said this to me, um, even if you are really clear about it. If God said it, he'll confirm it in other ways. You don't need to, like, add weight to what he's saying. Uh, when God speaks, it's clear to that person, um, and it's clear in community, and it's clear in Scripture. Um, cool. There's this little um, thing. This is from 3DM. Um, and in the prophetic, they talk about, like, three, three phases of the prophetic. There's the revelation, like, what do you see, whether you get a, a, a picture or a word, or a Bible story, or an image, or you see something in nature, or you get a, a gut instinct. That's a revelation that's, that sits with you. There's the interpretation of that, which happens within community. It happens within Scripture. Like, what does this mean? What do I see or hear? What does it mean? And then the application is, what does it, what does it outwork and do? So, revelation is about me, if I'm, if I'm receiving a uh, a word or a scripture or an image. Interpretation is in community and against the, against the scriptures. And application always resides with the person that's receiving the, the word, right? And so the immature way to do this is to go straight from revelation to application. To go, Sienna, I've got a word for you, and this is what it means. This is what we have to do about it tomorrow, right? Um, actually, the, the healthy way and the whole way and, and the way that's going to be way more effective is to take the revelation interpret it in community, and outwork it as that person discerns what the, what the right next step is. Does that kind of make sense? Cool. 
All right, the prophetic. It's a good thing. What a gift. What a gift that God would speak to us, that God would continue to speak to us through community, through one another, through Scripture.